What's up, friends? Welcome to Date to Mate, the show where I try to help you suck less at dating. Cheating is an unfortunate fact of life. Every day, people cheat the system, other people, and sometimes, most tragically, themselves. Today, I give you the cheat sheet, so to speak, on how to identify suspicious behavior in others and how to armor yourself against the temptation of cheating in not just your relationship, but all walks of life. If this sounds interesting to you, keep listening and, as always, enjoy the show. So growing up, we played this game called Mortal Kombat. I'm sure many of you out there have heard of it before. But Mortal Kombat is essentially this beat-em-up fighter game where you and your opponent press a bunch of buttons, you mash a couple inputs, and then you either win or you lose. Really, Relatively fast game, happens quickly, a lot of fun, but can also be extremely frustrating. It really just depends on the kind of day that you're having, the character that you and your opponent are using, and whether or not the person that you are fighting against was classified as what I think could be the worst type of player in Mortal Kombat, which is a move repeater. Now, I'm guilty myself of being a move repeater, um, so much so to the point that we actually came up with this little rhyme. I don't know, actually, if we came up with it or we stole it, but it was cheater, cheater, move repeater. Because the move repeater would do the same input so frequently and win so frequently that it almost felt like cheating. It was an unfair advantage that none of us could overcome. So how did we manage this? Well, we essentially just threw our controllers at their heads, kicked them out the house, told them they couldn't play. We essentially just uh, friend zone exiled them for like a period of time. And then once they cooled off, we cooled off really, then we would let them back in and play. So the reason why I bring up this move repeating and this stupid, you know, kids game of Mortal Kombat is because the mentality and the idea behind cheating in that instance, I think carries over pretty well into cheating in other areas of life. So in that instance, the person or persons that are using this move repeating thing are getting an end goal, an end result um, in a way that makes them feel good. They're achieving their outcome and they're doing it with very little effort, input, skill, any real sacrifice of time into the craft. They're pretty much just repeating these moves over and over again, and they're getting a high degree of success. That is really frustrating to people. Now, it's a little bit more innocent than some of the cheating that we're going to talk about later in this episode, but you catch my drift. It's a pretty good metaphor for some of the other cheating that may be experienced by ourselves in our lives, and also some of the cheating that we definitely see in our friends, family, and other people that we come into contact with. So I wanted to bring this up to put it in your head that you know, when we think about cheating fundamentally, what does it really mean? It is essentially getting an outcome that is not deserved. It can also have the other added layer. And I think a big part of it is it is the stealing or taking of something from someone else as well. So in this case, you're robbing someone else of the glory of victory. You're robbing someone else of the enjoyment, the dopamine of overcoming a challenge and winning the game. We think about cheating in relationships. You know, you're getting the outcome of physical gratification from another person outside of your relationship. And you're also taking away from some of the uh, trust and the enjoyment of your relationship and the bond there with your committed partner because you're going outside of the relationship to have that interaction. So I want us to keep in mind while we're thinking and going through the topic of cheating in this episode that it really does nest itself in this concept of um, getting something that we don't necessarily deserve 
and also doing so at the expense of others. When we think about cheating in the context of a relationship, it can come in a bunch of different factors or, or a couple different vehicles, I should say. So there's emotional cheating, which a lot of people get caught up in. They don't even realize that they're doing it, but it's quite a common one. There's the physical cheating, which we all are well aware of what that is. And then there's the combination of the emotional and the physical cheating. In my opinion, almost all physical cheating, almost all, starts with the emotional side. In fact, I think most guys are emotional cheaters. In fact, I think almost all of guys are emotional cheaters. And women... It's pretty obvious they are too, uh, but I actually think women fall more on the physical side of things than the men do. And I know that's probably a controversial opinion, but when you think about it or as we go through it, you'll hopefully start to understand and maybe have an aha moment as to why I believe this to be true. So when we think about it from the standpoint of the emotional side of things, guys tend to be involved in relationships you know, from the physical side at first. That's what catches their eyes. We're, we're very physical. We're very like visual creatures. And then over time, slowly, we open up. If you're a healthy guy, you're doing everything the way that you're supposed to. You're building a relationship. And then you get to a point where you actually have an emotional bond. And, and maybe you have allowed yourself to really tap into those feelings. You've shared more of yourself. You've been vulnerable. You've been open. And that's what's allowed your woman to now come to you and, and equally share in building that relationship. So you have this awesome thing that you're incubating and continuing to build on. But what happens is over time, as we start to move out of that like fun honeymoon period in the beginning, and move into a more long-term relationship, the scales start to tilt a bit. So whereas we might've been really physically, visually turned on in the beginning with the novelty of our partner, as we start to build something more long-term, it starts to move more into the emotional side of the scales. And that's where we end up with more of a balancing act there. Now, what's ironic is, as time goes on, the man actually needs stimulation of that emotional side or the male role, I guess, in this relationship, if it's, you know, same sex. And that male partner or that male persona needs to have that emotional component met. The woman needs to have it as well. I always say, when a woman feels loved, heard, and appreciated, the legs open. When they're not feeling that way, they close. So the only way that you're going to really have consistent sex with your woman partner, men out there, really listen to this. The only way that you're going to have real, deep, meaningful, consistent sex with your partner is to really open them up emotionally, hear them, understand them, put effort into spending quality time and ticking the boxes on whatever their love language is. You open them up, you have more consistent sex, boom, amazing, healthy relationship. For the men though, if they're not also receiving that emotional stimulation and engagement from their woman, they tend to enter into a place of emotional scarcity. They lack the emotion. They're feeling like they don't have uh, as much control over um, themselves. They may also start to feel insecure. They may feel like, what's the point? Like Guys are really sensitive deep down. Even the ones that seem the most put together or strong on the surface, we all have that more vulnerable, sensitive component. And so as time goes on and we start to see that fade and our woman is not emotionally stimulating us either, we're not having those deep conversations, we're not feeling like we're getting that itch scratched, men will then start to look to other people. Now, the one reason that I know that this is 99% true, I mean, nothing I say is totally 100% truth, I'm not God, 
Okay. But I do like to think that there's a pretty good amount of evidence that support this supports, excuse me, this. And here's why. This is the evidence. Look at all of the marriages, serious relationships where the man's cheated, right? And look at the situations of who they've cheated with. So look at their partner, look at the person they've cheated with. Typically, not always, but typically, the guy in the relationship will cheat with a partner that is less physically attractive than their current partner. Objectively speaking, too. I'm not I don't just mean like beauty in the eye of the beholder. I know that that is a component, but we do tend to find that on an objective attractiveness scale, guys tend to cheat with less attractive women than their partner. And so we might think to ourselves, well, guys are highly visual, we're highly novelty seeking. There's a bunch of different variables that all factor in and, and can make this happen the way that it does. So I'm not ignorant to that. And I'm not saying that it's 100% fact, but I do think you can point to this idea that guys that are usually more physically uh, attracted to things and more cued into that part of the brain and that part of the experience, why would they be cheating with someone that's less attractive than their partner? Why would they go down a peg and, and shoot below their band, so to speak, in terms of attractiveness? It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense until you realize that that person, this mistress, is ticking a box for them and scratching an itch that their partner isn't. And it's on the emotional side. That partner, this mistress, extra marital, extra relationship partner is stroking the ego allowing them to feel like they're the leader, allowing them to feel manly and to feel like they're in control. And I know that some people are going to be offended or upset by that this notion of these traditional gender roles or all that good stuff, but I don't care. You can cancel me if you want. You cannot listen to my stuff anymore, but this is the way that the world works. Traditional gender roles, you can, you know, we can talk about the fact that things have evolved and that we're living in a new century, a new time, and I'm completely okay with things evolving with that. Not an issue at all. But what has not evolved yet and what will continue to be uh, the way that life is, it will continue to be a concrete fact, is that there needs to be polarity in relationships. And feminine and masculine energy are natural polar opposites that love that. They're the yin and the yang, and they need those two things together with their uniqueness and their oppositeness in order to have a relationship that actually makes sense. It is the masculine energy to lead, to protect, to be the rock, and it is the feminine energy that comes in for emotional bonding, sensitivity, warmth, enjoyment, um, more of the touchy-feely stuff. It's why I think it's really important to have you know, a mom and a dad raising a, ch a child and raising children. If you're uh, in a same-sex household, it's really important for the both females or both males to have clearly defined like poles that they, they navigate or operate more um, alongside. So, you know, if whether you're more of the male figure or the, the feminine figure, those are situations that you kind of need to iron out because if you don't have those things ironed out, one, your relationship's not going to work, but two, you're also going to put forth strange signals to your children. So this whole idea of this energy and masculine, feminine energy and, and the whole polarity, it's something we've talked about in the past, but it's something that still holds true now. And it is extremely important for understanding the cheating component. So that whole tangent that I just went on, I know it was like kind of all over the place, but all that is to say that the point of why I think 
men are cheating at a, an alarming rate and, and even women are cheating too is because the emotional component is not being locked in. It's not being paid attention to. And then naturally they evolve that into a physical problem, into a physical manifestation rather, where now you're hooking up with someone and you're doing something in a way that is not consistent with how you would have originally wanted it to be. And that's okay. It's okay in the sense that you're a human being and you're going to make mistakes, but it's not okay in the sense that if you're going to repeatedly do it over and over again and you're going to you know, cheat, that's a, a conscious decision that you should know better and you should know right from wrong. So uh, the first step to really understanding or rectifying the problem is to, to sort of understand it better. So we can start there. Now, kind of moving away from the whole energy thing and, and why people do or do not cheat, um, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about how you can identify it. So let's say we're past the point of being able to recognize it, uh, or rather we're past the point of being able to stop it. So now it's come to the point of like mitigation, damage control. How do we recognize it, attack it, move on from it? Well, a lot of the ways that you're going to recognize cheating is a lot of the ways that you're going to recognize a relationship that's failing to begin with. Because Cheating really is a byproduct of a relationship starting to fall apart. So typically what happens is a couple of things. One, there will be distance created in the relationship. So what that means is if you guys are used to texting more regularly, calling more regularly, you're having open communication throughout the course of a day or a week, if there's any sudden changes in that behavior, especially if that has a large sample size, so maybe over like years or decades, that can be a yellow flag. Again, a lot of these things are going to be they're going to sound like simple or they're going to sound obvious, but when you're in it and your emotions are close to it, you'll be surprised how you can put the blinders on. There are a lot of people that derive a lot of their identity and who they are from being in their relationship. This tends to be more true as you spend more time with someone, as you bring kids and a family unit really into the mix. So keeping this stuff in mind is extremely important because Everyone thinks that they won't get caught in it. Everyone thinks that they're too smart for it to happen to them until it does. So be on the lookout. So that distance thing is, is a huge component. Another component is a lack of physicality. So again, natural progression. There's distance in the relationship emotionally, mentally. There's probably going to be a bit of space physically. Those two things in combination, they don't really bode well for a long-term relationship. They don't bode well for you know a strength in that opportunity or a strength in that connection moving forward. And at that point, you know, if you're with someone long-term, you should know better. You should be able to recognize when it's starting to go that path, and then re you know course correct. So revitalize the situation, maybe start going out on dates, you start putting aside time to communicate more, um, spending time one-on-one. -on -one. You can find ways to build yourself back and, and get yourself into the right place. But I find that a lot of people, they just give up and then they're surprised when like a couple months later, they're just stuck in a situation where their partner's cheating on them. And they're like, well, what the fuck? This shouldn't never have happened to me. And it's like, well, you were a willing participant in it as well. It's not your fault that you're being cheated on, but you definitely have a role to play in allowing it to get to that point. And you also have a responsibility to yourself to to stand up for what's right and to stand up for your relationship and fight for it. So you know on this podcast, we're not the kinds of people that sit and feel sorry for ourselves. Um, things do not happen to us. We happen to things. And so while we can't control someone cheating on us or someone deciding to you know, move in a way that is a gross transgression, in my opinion, against what it means to be a committed partner, that's not our problem to, to a certain degree, but it is also, it is always our problem. Jeez, sometimes I get tongue tied. It is always our problem 
when it comes to selecting the people that we have in our lives and then also tolerating their bad behavior because people really only treat you the way that you allow them to treat you. So if we keep that in our minds, uh, we can put an end to things before they start to really get out of hand. And so we talked about the distance, the physicality, all that good stuff. Another thing too to point out is how people behave with their technology. So like their phones, their computers, anything where they have like email, messaging, things of that nature. If someone is like super combative with that kind of stuff or very secretive, like they need to have their phone attached to their hip, they start freaking out if you're going near it or picking it up, anything like that. It doesn't always mean cheating, but like why else would they be acting so paranoid around it? You know, like I am not a fan, nor am I an advocate of going through someone's phone and going through all their history and doing all that stuff. Fuck no. In my relationship, we don't even look at each other's phones, let alone touch them, unless we're like watching a funny TikTok or something. Um, but that's because we both trust one another and we know that there's no fucking weird stuff going on there. Like there, it's just natural. Like if you have trust for your partner, then there are certain things that you should just proxy that trust into. And I really believe phones are, are one of those things because you can always pick up someone's phone without any context and go through stuff. And then you, and you'll find something, especially if you're looking for it. And it's like, Usually it's out of context. There's things of that nature. So we've just always had this policy and unspoken of like, look, I trust you. You do you. You trust me. I do me. And then we do the situation together and we have no issues. Uh, But if someone's being particularly like protective of the phone, you maybe want to give that a look. Um, Also, too. Another one that's kind of like obvious, but people that spend a lot of time going out with their friends or other people not inviting you or at the very least debriefing you or telling you about them um, the nights when they come back. That's another pretty obvious indicator. Like if someone's made a habit of months of doing that type of behavior, you don't know where the hell they are half the week. I mean, there's probably not a lot of things that they could be doing, especially given the fact that they are likely working a job and they're still coming home and, and, you know, seeing you and interacting with you in the home. So if someone's spending a lot of time and you don't really know what the hell they're doing and they're not talking to you about it and there's distance, like, again, probably a sign that there might be something going on. So um, these are all obvious things. And I'm going to, I'm going to keep saying that, but you know, it's, it's obvious until it isn't. And I just want people to be aware that like, we are all sensitive and women, especially are very sensitive. uh, They're very in tune with this kind of stuff. If you feel like your intuition is telling you that something is off, you should more than likely trust that because it usually means that it is. People like to think that they're slick, but we're all just like dumb meat sacks that walk around and just do the same kind of shit pretty much all the time. And so like if something changes randomly and you don't have an obvious reason for it, like you should investigate that stuff. We're all better investigators and detectives than we give ourselves credit for um, and always trust yourself. But if you need a third party to get involved, you know, talk to your friends, talk to your family, maybe don't go blowing up your 10 year marriage um, over like a a day where your buddy was or your partner rather was like out playing golf with his buddies and and he took a couple hours longer than you expected. Maybe he's not cheating. Maybe he just had a couple drinks at the 19th hole. Um, Those are kinds of situations that are a little bit different, but, you know, trust yourself, trust your instincts and also trust your judgment in picking your partner. Because a lot of how you avoid getting cheated on is just by picking the right person in the first place. Um, Someone with high integrity who has morals and values that align with you, assuming that you're not a cheater, is not going to cheat on you. So you don't really have anything to worry about there. But I feel like that's worth mentioning because, again, a lot of us will find ourselves in relationships with people that 
maybe aren't the best fit again you know maybe our a lot of our identity is tied up in being in a relationship maybe where someone doesn't like to be alone so we just end up with middle of the pack prospect I mean, you can't fault yourself for not knowing what you don't know, but you also need to hold yourself to a, a high enough standard to reevaluate your um, prospecting or your evaluation process when you're trying to pick a long-term partner because maybe part of this is your fault. You know, again, we go back to this responsibility. It's like we, we want to take responsibility for what we can and we want to know when to blame ourselves and to blame others. And I think in every cheating instance, it's not the it's not the victim's fault, but you can probably trace back that engagement in the escalation and see areas where that victim could have helped themselves out maybe to avoid the situation. You know, and 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 I always think too, you know, when it comes to cheating and ending a relationship, you should just end it then. If 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 you're going to go outside of the relationship and you're going to go and do those things, there's nothing wrong with walking away. Even if this is a marriage, even if there's kids involved, like you are going to gain the respect of your children, your friends, your family, um the respect of yourself even if you at least adhere to that principle and that commitment that you are not going to commit adulterous acts, bro. You're not going to be fucking you're not going to be out there doing the dirty, you know, with people that you shouldn't be doing the dirty with. And so if you need to do that thing and your relationship or your marriage is truly entered into a place where it cannot be repaired, then just make the decision to walk away. That's it. I know it's not easy and it's easier said than done. And I'm, I know I'm probably making it sound a lot simpler than it is, but I mean, salvage what little you can there, at least give yourself the opportunity to be a decent human being and recognize that you're not going to add additional fuel to the fire and really hurt someone in the process. Because when it comes down to it, when you cheat on someone, you're not only damaging them in that relationship with you and damaging yourself, but you're also damaging that person in every other relationship that they're going to enter in for the rest of their lives. You're going to put unseen trauma onto those people that they then will need to work through, whether it's through therapy, whether that's through the the work and the help of their future partners who hopefully aren't cheating scumbags like maybe you were. You know, those people are now going to have to deal with the ramifications of your mistakes. And that's just not cool. My doggies are in the room with me. They like hearing about cheaters. I guess they're, they're just these guys. They would never cheat. They're good boys. Unless it has to do with food, then those guys might be little cheating guys. They might cheat each other out of a treat every once in a while. But anyways, I got lost on tangent. I love dogs. I love my dogs. But don't cheat. If you're going to cheat, leave the relationship. And just remember that even if you are going to go down that path and you're going to do things of that nature, it's going to affect you. You may not think that it will bother you. You may not think that it will create problems for you. But I believe in karma. I believe things happen for a reason and that what goes around comes around. So, you know, if you're out there committing crimes against humanity, don't be surprised if crimes follow you and find you at some point. And I won't be feeling bad for you and you shouldn't feel bad for yourself either because you kind of created this bed. So now you have to lie in it. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, I know we kind of went upwards, downwards, backwards, frontwards, all around. Um, that's how we do it on these podcasts. Who knows? Maybe I'll actually have a guest with me one of these days rather than just a 20-minute 
rant of my stream of consciousness. But um, as always, appreciate the love and support. Thank you guys for tuning in to yet another episode. If you guys enjoyed it, if you found something interesting or useful in it, please forward it, spread the word, send it along to someone that you know that could use a little date to mate in their life. In the meantime, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, peace and love, and I will catch you in the next one. Thank you.